We're going to be in John chapter 11, and today we're going to talk about disruption. Disruption. It's a really familiar passage, I think, but I hope that, uh, that the Lord will really, I think there's a word here, I know there's a word here for nobody else today, there's definitely a word here to me, the Lord really spoke to my heart about what I need to grab from this uh, truth, and it's kind of at the end of the text today, but maybe the Lord will speak to you in a different place, but really try to pay attention and concentrate to the Lord this morning, not so much to me, and pray that the Lord will speak to your heart. John chapter 11, we're actually jump down to verse 49 to get started there, we'll read 49 and 50. The Bible says, then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Caiaphas is high priest. He is actually prophesying truth. has no clue really what it's all about. <laughs> Today, that's from N.T. Wright. He says, we are not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to the place where we find we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. Right, let's read that one more time, make sure we're all together here. We are not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to the place where we find we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. Have you been that desperate that you needed the God who raised the dead to intervene? All right. How many of you have had your life disrupted? So... My wife and I we have a really great trip. We drive the big old truck down to see Brooklyn. Uh, we play a little tennis. It was fun watching Wendy play tennis because she probably hasn't played in 10 years or so. And then we played, Brooklyn and I played a little basketball, ate a lot of good food. And then on the way back, my son decides he's going to get a puppy. A three-month-old German shepherd that's named Stormy with an I. So my wife is just like, oh, puppy, puppy, this will be so wonderful. And I'm like, oh, I ain't got time for this. So we get home last night and get in the door and already. And then the next thing you know, what happens in the floor, right? And in the floor again, right? And then poor chief, our big 105 pounds, shouldn't be that big, but is golden retriever. He is not the alpha dog. So this little bitty three-month-old German shepherd is telling Chief, do this, do this, stop, do this. Chief's like, Chief and I, I think we're in the same boat. Our life is being disrupted. Chief goes to get some water and the little stormy, drinking all the water. And Chief's like, I can't even get any water. This dog's drinking my water. Can't eat any food, the dog's eating his food, right? And then, of course, who gets all the attention, right? The little pup, right? Then 3 a.m. this morning. <laughs> oh, what are we doing? But he gets up, she takes the dog out, comes back in, right? 
disruption. Have you ever had your life disrupted? It's not comfortable, is it? And usually it's not fun. What I want you to hear today, and we'll get to the very end of the message, but I want you to see that I think Jesus has come to disrupt our comfort, to cause us to rely on the God who raises the dead. Okay, so you hang with me. It's going to take a little bit, but we'll get there. And I think at the end, the Lord hopefully will speak and challenge us all to surrender ourselves to his disruption. All right, let's look down. We're going to skip all the way down to verse 17 of John chapter 11. There's so much good stuff here. I'm going to try to move through fairly quickly, so hang in there with me. But then we'll hopefully settle in here at the end, and it'll, it'll come together. First thing we want to see this morning is the Christ, the Son of God. So verse 17, John chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am, does that sound familiar from this morning? The resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Look at Martha's answer. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Is that lady amazing? (laughs) She is like my hero in this passage. Martha always gets the bad rap, right? Oh, she's too busy. She was always working. She wasn't at the feet of Jesus. Her faith is just so huge. And I want you to see that here today. So you guys know we're kind of jumping in the middle of the story here, right? Um, Do you know a little bit about Lazarus? He was the brother of Mary and Martha, and they were all friends of Jesus. And Jesus was actually away, and news gets to him that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus ends up eventually telling the disciples that he's asleep. And the disciples, oh, well, if he's asleep, he'll get rest. That'll be good for him. When you're sick, you rest. It'll all be okay. And Jesus has to speak plainly to them. The Bible says that, no, he's dead. But we're going to wait a little bit so that the Lord can be glorified. Now, quick lesson here. God's timing is definitely different than my timing, Right? And so some of you today are looking for God to answer in a very specific way in a specific time. And I want to remind you again to trust the Lord in his timing, but to seek him, to ask him, but to trust him in his timing. And today, Mary and Martha thought the timing was all wrong, right? So after four days, Jesus arrives here on the scene, and that's kind of where we are at here in this paragraph, starting in verse 17. And of course, Martha, again, a woman of action, she comes out, she meets Jesus. And what is the first thing that she says there? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What does that say to us this morning? It is really hard to me. Do you think Martha believed in the healing power of Jesus? Man, she did. She knew that Jesus could have saved her brother. 
And then she kind of has this sense of, and it's a very compassionate or kind way, but she has a questioning sense of Jesus, doesn't it? Doesn't she? Lord, if you'd if you'd have been here, if you'd have just been here, this wouldn't have happened. Have you been asking that question anytime recently? Where are you at, Lord? If you'd have been here, if you'd have been active in this situation that I'm going through, if you'd have been here a little earlier, none of this would have happened. Why didn't you do something? And I think that's her, her heart in a very loving way and not in a mean way, but it's like, why weren't you here? And I want you to kind of sense that Jesus is really going to feel this way deeper than any of us here in just a little bit. But that's where Martha's heart is. Why weren't you here? If you'd have been here, I know you, Lord. I know your power. It, none of this would have happened. And then she goes on, and this is what I think is amazing. What does she say next? I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. What? Now, this is penology, so be careful with this, okay? Martha, I think, in a sense right here, is asking for the Lord to deliver in her dead brother's behalf. Now, most of us, we'd be like, this is over, right? Wendy and I are always making fun of British TV shows. Whenever someone dies, nobody tries to save them. There's no CPR. There's nothing. If you, if you lay out on the ground, you're done, <laughs> right? And that's the way we a lot of times are in our faith, right? Well, it didn't work out like I expected, so I guess this is what God's going to do. I'm going to move on. But what does Martha say here? Even now, if you will ask, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Wow. That's incredible faith, isn't it? And so Martha speaks that out to Jesus. Again, just trying to encourage her own heart and just like, is there still something that can be done? Lord, is there something that, that can happen? And I want to question you this morning, myself as well. Do you believe like this? Hmm. Are you giving up? The Lord has really been renewing me in the last six months. I think I'm more heavenward and hopeful than I have been in a long time. But some of you today, maybe you're not in that place. And I want to challenge you that you can have this Martha kind of faith but you'll need the Mary kind of worship to get there. All right? So Martha has this incredible, incredible faith. This morning, do you believe Jesus is truly the Son of God? That's what I on. That's a hard one, right? <laughs> I think I know what is best. But do you believe that Jesus knows what is best? And then the, the last question, the most important one today is, will you trust Jesus with your death and your life? Will you trust him that far? And that's where Martha has to, to get us to. Martha knows she's in the presence of Messiah. And again, you see Jesus' words real closely, right? This morning in Sunday school, Moses is making his excuses. And what's I am since you? Well, what does Jesus confess right here to Martha? He is the I am. Now, that'll get stones thrown at him later because they know that he's confessing to be the true son of God. But again, this morning, I just want you to recognize who it is that we're speaking of. Jesus is the life. He's the source of life. He's the end of life, and he's the sustainer. If you believe, you will live. And so what's Martha say? Again, I'll read it to you. 
Yes, Lord, she told them. I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, the I Am, who was to come into the world. Martha had been looking for this her whole life. She was taught from a little girl to be looking for Messiah, to be looking for this person, and this is how you're going to know him. And Jesus is the one who checks off every single box. And here she confesses in one of her worst moments, she confesses, you're the son of God. Right? This is not an easy day for Martha. This is horrible. What happened? God, why, I know you can. Why didn't you intervene? Where were you? Here you are. I don't know. And in the midst of her hurt and her pain, she confesses. And she surrenders and submits and says, Jesus, you are the son of God. And that's a challenge for you today, for me today, okay? I don't, maybe you're having a hard day, a hard week, a hard month. And this is that day where we have to confess the same thing that Mary did. All right, look down if you would on there, uh, next paragraph there. In verse 28, after she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. And the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, um, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Look in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, listen to this, <laughs> Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, oh, see how he loved him. So Martha returns. Mary gets up. Martha says, Master's asking for you. Boom. <laughs> Master's asking for me, Mary says. I'm going to Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I've got to see him. And again, what does Mary say? Basically, the same thing Martha did, right? This is hard. Because <laughs> you know how Jesus feels about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And not only had Martha said this, and confess truth in her grief. Now Mary comes, and Mary's just not by herself. All these people who love Lazarus are all there with Mary and Martha, and they're all coming, and what's their expression? I mean, they're weeping. They're so sorrowful because they've lost this friend. And Mary, where does she do when she gets to Jesus? Does she hug him? Does she try to say something angry? She falls at his feet, and she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, I know he wouldn't have died. And what's the Bible say? Jesus looked around, and what's he see? He sees all these people weeping. He sees Mary weeping. He's already had the conversation with Martha. And he says, take me. Take me to the tomb. And then Jesus weeps. Now, again, I don't have all the answers here, okay? But if I understand the Scripture correctly, it looks like to me, what is driving Jesus to cry is not so much his love for Lazarus, not that he didn't love Lazarus, but how much he loved Mary and Martha and all those people around them. And he saw their human condition. He saw their pain. 
he saw their grief and his spirit was moved and troubled. Today, Donna mentioned someone, I mentioned some friends, right? Joni mentioned someone who is, who's passed away and people have lost love, great love. We know what grief is, right? Here's what I want you to see though. Jesus knows it too. When you're hurting, take your hurt to the Lord because he understands. He wept. He cried. He poured out his own heart because of his compassion for those that were around him. He empathized with them. Again, the others will say, well, see how he loved them. See how he loved Lazarus. <laughs> but I would say to you this morning, see how he loved them. The Lord knows your pain today, whatever your pain is, and he loves you. All right, look down on verse 37. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Again, we don't often see the purpose, right? I don't get this. Why does it work out this way? What are you doing, God? Why don't you do it the way I would like you to do it? And again, today I would just remind you, we might be frustrated with not seeing the purpose in a situation or even in your grief. And I would love to give you the answers, but I don't know how it all fits together. But I do know this. If you believe in Jesus, your life will matter. All right, let's drop on down there if you would again. Verse 38, I believe. We want to see a dead man walking, a dead man walking. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. <laughs> right? Thank you, Michael. Woo! Everybody's weeping. Everybody's crying. Everybody's broken. What, what's going on here? Why didn't you do something, God? What, what's going on? Come down in front of the tomb. Roll that stone away. <clears throat> that won't be the only stone that Jesus has rolled away, by, by the way, right? He's going to roll away another one, which is pretty awesome to think about, the, the typology there. And so he says, roll the stone away. And what's Martha saying? <laughs> what are you doing? Don't do it this way, Lord. If you roll, that's going to stink so bad. Now, see, Martha's cleaning side is coming out, right? <laughs> this is going to be so bad. Why don't you organ? Oh, why don't you do it? The and that's how we are, aren't we? Why don't you do it my way, God? If you'd have been here earlier, we wouldn't have had to come through this. But what's going to happen is going to change the world. And they didn't realize it. Hear me out this morning. Again, I, this is, I don't know what the Lord's, how he's working everything out, but some of the things that you're going through and you're like, I can't take this anymore. I don't see your way in it, God. Why don't you do it my way? And what I'm telling you is maybe the Lord is going to change the world, but you've got to trust him. So then what does Jesus say? Does he say, come out? 
You guys know the old story, right? If Jesus had not said Lazarus' name, then the whole place would have emptied, right? Because he had power over death. But he calls Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come out. And then, like, I don't know, I was in my mind had some crazy mummy movie. Like, I don't think you probably walk like this. I don't know. But Lazarus has these grave clothes on. And here is this guy who's been dead four days, and he walks out of the grave. And Jesus says, take the linens off of him. Take the straps off of him. And it won't be long that Lazarus will be eating again with his family. And Jesus, what did he say? He said, Lord, I thank you. Don't you love that? And Jesus does the same thing also at the Lord's Supper, doesn't he, right? right? When he prays, you know, his body is blood. Lord, I thank you. And here it is again. Lord, I thank you. And this is not for my, my benefit, but this is so that these will believe. And guess what happens after this moment? There are many Jews that believe in Jesus because of what they walk through with Mary and Martha. You guys, this is your God. My Savior, my God, that we sang about today, this is him. And he is alive right now, just like he was alive 2,000 years ago. And when he delivered Lazarus for his glory, he will deliver us for his glory. But we have to confess the truth of him, and we have to trust him. And that's not always easy, especially in our grief. Okay, real quickly, if Jesus can raise the dead, what can he not do, right? That just kind of settles it, doesn't it? If you could take the dead and bring it to life again, then there's nothing that cannot be done by the Lord. And again, I tried to say this last week. I didn't do a very good job, but the idea is that God's words are validated by his actions. It's one thing to say, I am the son of God. It's one thing to say, do you believe in me? (laughs) It's one thing to say, there's going to be a resurrection at the last day. But all of a sudden, when this happens, everything becomes crystal clear that this is the guy, right? I got the right person. And now all the stuff that Jesus has said about himself, it is true. And when the whole world is trying to tell you that church isn't right, and the gospel isn't right, and the Bible isn't right, and Jesus was a good guy, the resurrection says different. It says he is God. We've got to trust him. All right? Again, I know some of you guys, I'm really heartbroken for some of you because I know you're going through hard stuff. Your preacher's got it pretty easy right now. But the Lord says, even in your grief, trust me, trust me, and I'll be there with you. I'm the one who delivers the dead back to life. All right, now, after all that wonderful intro, let's get down to verse 45. (laughs) He is going to disrupt our way of living. Verse 45, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everybody will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and they'll take away both our, notice this, our temple and our nation. Verse 49. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted take his life.
all right, quick review of this paragraph. This is really key. So many of the Jews who were weeping there with Mary and weeping there with Martha, after they see Lazarus come through the tomb, and I'm sure I would have been one of them as well, many of them believed, right? This truly is the Son of God. Only the Son of God can do this. But then there's always those couple, right? And what did a few of them do? Wait till the Pharisees hear about this. I got to go tell them and start the chains a-going, right? This is going to drive them crazy. I love to see conflict. (laughs) Do you know any people like that? Please don't raise your hand. (laughs) We all know people like that, right? And some of these people decided, you know what? Let's go tell the Pharisees what's going down. And of course, when they hear about it, verse 47, the, the Pharisees, they call a meeting and some of them are really bold. What are we accomplishing? This guy's doing all this stuff. If we let him go on like this, and this is what I want you to see. This is really challenging to me. If we let him go on, then everybody's going to believe in him and we're going to lose our temple and our nation. Now, here's what I want you to think about with me this morning. Jesus' coming isn't just a nice addition to your life. Well, I got a truck, and I got a car, and I got a nice little house. I haven't got two dogs. And I'll have Jesus, too. I'll just add him to my nice little life. I think you're getting it. That's the sermon right there. Well, I live in the suburbs and south side of Indianapolis or the north side, wherever you're from. I have a good education. You know, everything's doing. I've got a a stimulus package this year, so I get a little extra cash in my pocket. And then Jesus fits real nice on Sundays in the pew with me. The Lord is good. But Jesus didn't come sit just real nice with you one day a week, did he? And the Pharisees get it. And I'm going to say they get it better than we do sometimes. If we let this guy have his way, what's going to happen? He's going to ruin everything. He's going to ruin our temple. I dare say if we really let Jesus invade this place, he might ruin some of the way that we do things as well. Hello? I hope not. I hope we're doing what is right and trying to follow the Spirit. But there's a lot of churches, if Jesus walked in the building, that a whole lot of stuff would change, and a lot of people would be really upset about it. And that's the way the Pharisees were. If we let this guy go on, he's going to ruin the temple. He's going to ruin our control. He's already challenged who we are. He's already challenged our rules, our laws, all of our written rules. He's challenged our authority, our position. He's going to mess it up. Now, let me get to where it really will step on your toes this morning. What's the second thing they say? If we let this guy go, he's going to mess up our nation. We're Israel, and and we are right now, I know we're in subjugation to Rome, but at least things are actually pretty peaceful right now. We're all getting along. We get a lot of the authority. Rome kind of stays away, and everything's good. Anybody missing the nation of their childhood in America right now? Preacher does. Think about this for a second here, all right? This is what I wanted to hit you with this morning, hit me with. I am so thankful to be an American, and I'm very proud to be an American. But if you and I are more concerned about losing the America that we grew up in than growing the kingdom of God, 
then today we are just as guilty as the Pharisees. What, you're going to criticize my Dr. Seuss? <laughs> you're going to criticize my cartoons? You're going to criticize the, the shows I grew up with, the music that I grew up with? My way of living, you're saying that because I was privileged that all of these things are, are, I had it way better than everybody else? Are you serious? Right? And I'm not saying you guys, you can, you can speak out. In America, we have a great opportunity to speak your voice in, in a democracy like this, in a republic like this, to let your voice be heard, that's fine. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're more worried about the nation of your childhood than you are the kingdom of God, then you and I might as well be the Pharisees today. Let the Spirit invade your heart this morning, right? They were worried about their temple, and they were worried about their nation because Jesus was wanting to disrupt their lives, and they didn't want any part of it. Now, if he'd have come alongside and just been a nice rabbi and a good teacher, everything had been fine. But he wanted to change everything, and they didn't want any part of it. What I want to challenge you with this morning is we need to not be afraid of a disruption that Christ brings to our lives. Look with me this morning. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you fully trust him, well, my schedule might change. Yeah, <laughs> it might. You may have to do some things that you weren't used to doing, right? You may be running in the rain on a Saturday, <laughs> right? My schedule might change, yeah. My priorities might change. Well, I really wanted to sit in on Saturday and just watch the news, but instead I got to drive to Louisville, see if I could help be a witness to my boss, right? My purchases might change. You mean I can't just go have whatever I want? I've got to start to share with the poor and the needy and the hungry. My friends might change. You mean some people won't like me as much as they did if I love Jesus? <laughs> my comfort zone might shrink. Woo! A lot, right? But... My family will increase. Praise the Lord. My heart will know peace. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My destination will be heaven. And my life will be significant and it will matter in the kingdom of God. Sign me up. Right? I'll make the trade. I trust you, Jesus. I don't get it all, but I trust you. Disrupt my life. I don't even want to say that out loud because I know that he will right? Disrupt my life and let me trust you. Let me be desperate for you. Let me depend on you and then make your name great in the midst of me and let me not be so worried about my temple and my nation as I am about your kingdom. Come Lord and take and use this life. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. All of a sudden, dead people are walking around and weeping people are believing, and those in power become uncomfortable, and salvation is realized when Jesus disrupts. Again, this morning, his name is Jesus. Do you know him? And as we've been talking on Wednesday night, more importantly, does he know you? <laughs> I hope that he does. It's time for us to realize who we are in Christ, to live generously, seeing how much we've been forgiven, and how rich we truly are. Are you rich this morning? If you're a believer today, you are loaded. Let me close with this illustration, and we'll, we'll call it a morning. Thank you guys so much for your patience and attention today. This is from Tim Keller. He says, imagine you're a billionaire, 
and you have three $10 bills in your wallet. Right? You're a billionaire, you got 30 bucks in your wallet. You get out of a cab and you hand the driver one of the bills for an $8 fare. Later in the day, you look in and you find out that there's only one $10 bill left there. And you say, well, either I dropped a $10 bill somewhere or I gave the taxi driver two bills. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna get all upset? Are you going to the police and demand they search the city for the cab driver? No, you are going to shrug. You're a billionaire. You lost 10 bucks, so what? You are too rich to be concerned about that kind of loss. This week, somebody criticized you. Something you bought or invested in turned out to be less valuable than you thought. Something you wanted to happen didn't go the way you wanted it to. These are real losses, but what are you going to do? If you're a Christian, what are you going to do? Will this setback disrupt your contentment with life? Will you shake your fist at God? Will you toss and turn at night? If so, I submit that it's because you don't know how truly rich you are. Here you go. If you're that upset about your status with other people, if you're constantly lashing out at people for hurting your feelings, you might call it a lack of self-control or a lack of self-esteem, and it is, but more fundamentally, you have totally lost touch with your identity. As a Christian, you're a spiritual billionaire, and you're wringing your hands over $10. Yeah, for me, it was the coins on the table the other night, $7.50. How many times do I sell out or get all upset because of that? So my challenge to you today is to quit trying to avoid the disruption that following Jesus causes in your life, but to completely surrender to him and let him make the changes he wants to make. When we give in and surrender our lives to Christ, then we'll become all that he wants us to be. And my challenge again this morning is what area of your life are you holding back? So here's the question. I know that God wants me to, how would you fill out that part? But I'm afraid that, <laughs> right? I know that God wants me to go to Mexico but I'm afraid that there might be some scary people when I get there. I know that God wants me to witness to my coworker, but I'm afraid that I won't have the right answers. I know that God wants me to change what I'm doing, but I don't know where the money's going to come from if I do that. I know that God wants me to have these little kids and give them to him, but what if he decides to take them? When Jesus disrupts, he knows what is best, but it is not easy. And I don't mean to make it sound easy this morning, but when we trust him, he gets the glory and we get the joy. And so my challenge to you this morning is to trust him. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to play that little song we sang, that little chorus, and Diane can go ahead and come if she'd like. And I want you to listen to those words again and sing those words. Lord, I give you me.